On a brand new Josh Nason's Punch-Out, the granddaddy of them all has returned. That's right, where it originally started. The four-part series, looking back at the year that was in mixed martial arts, really, slash UFC, it's back. Paul Fontaine is back. Paul and I begin our four-part journey through all the major happenings, some of the minor happenings in the world of the UFC, starting in January, February, and March. This has begun years and years and years ago. And brings us to 2023. On this episode, the return of John Jones and the return of John Jones to the championship circle. Dana White slapped his wife. His wife slapped him. What happened after that? Spoiler alert absolutely nothing. Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler set to coach Top 31. Yes, right, the return of Conor McGregor. But there's a lot of questions about that return. Would champions retain? Champions lose their titles and a whole lot more. So join me and Paul Fontaine on part one of four parts of the MMA Year in Review series on Josh Nason's Punch-Out. Let's begin January, February, March, starting right now. After a year away, he is back. One of the most frequent guests in JMPO history, Paul Fontaine, has returned. He is, of course, uh, does a lot of the, uh, basically all the uh, ratings, uh, ratings writing for us, essentially all of it. I think Dave still does the raw ones, but Paul does all the WWE and uh, some of the AEW stuff and and uh, all that good uh, jazz. And also hosting, co-hosting the In the Clinch podcast with Ryan Frederick and, uh, other stuff as well. I'm sure I'm forgetting. Paul, welcome back. It's great to be back, Josh. I, I was uh, listening to uh, one of your shows that you were doing recently, and you you brought up the Year in Review series and mm. mentioned how you and I had been doing it. You thought, I think you said you thought it was six years, and I so I had to look back and because I thought it was longer. And mm. and actually, I think it's been this might be the seventh or eighth year that we've done it. Really? So, huh. Actually, yeah. And I would have thought it was longer, but we weren't like at first it was just, I think I just did one part of it. And then, yes. Um, yeah. And then you, uh, and then I think it was maybe, so maybe it was like four or five years ago that I started doing the whole series. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. But it's a highlight of the year for me. Um, I do admit though, when I listen to those wrestling year in review ones, I get a little jealous because uh, <laughs> those are fun. And, and really right now, like the majority of what I do is, is wrestling, but I still do have the MMA podcast and I watch all the UFCs. So, mm-hmm. um, not, not as much into the non UFC stuff as I used to be, but, um, it, it is nice to do these shows and figure out that I know more than I think I do sometimes. That's right. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is different than the, uh, wrestling review series. Cause we do four of these. We cover one quarter at a time given that really there is simply just one major promotion uh, and everyone else. And as we get through a series, we'll talk about that uh, further consolidation and how that changes things. So we'll get uh, thoughts on that in a future episodes. This is a uh, part one. Uh, so we'll cover uh, January, February, March in the world of mixed martial arts. And how we do this is we'll start month by month. And we'll begin of course in January, because it's the first month of the year, as far as I'm told. So, Three kind of big things coming out of this. One that we actually talked about uh, in the finale last year because we record always in the first week of, of January, but we'll get that in a second. But really, it was the impending return of John Jones after a very long absence, finally returning to heavyweight 
uh, has been discussed. It's felt like for years and years and years. And he was said to take on Cyril Ghan at uh, UFC 285 T-Mobile. The arena accidentally leaked it early. I believe it's either on the uh, scoreboard, uh, the big video board up front or something along those lines. They accidentally leaked it a day early. And then uh, Dana White just made the announcement the next day. As part of this, this announcement was that Francis Ngannou, at that point the reigning, defending, uh, undisputed UFC heavyweight champion, Dana White announced that Ngannou would not be re-signed. And Dana White, of course, ripped Ngannou on the way out. All the all the things you might expect, he might say. And then uh, John Jones received a new multi-year contract uh, as part of this. So he, I think uh, Dana White or other people had said he was the highest paid UFC heavyweight in history. And learned afterwards, of course, Nagano started doing some uh, some media around uh, after this. You know, basically said he asked for a three year deal with no champions clause. And yeah, so we this was a this is an interesting time because forever, you know, we thought that we were going to get this Jones and Gano fight. And unfortunately, just due to the, the the contract negotiations and things not going well for Francis Gano in the UFC for his demands and so on and so forth, it didn't happen. So the pivot was made to go to John Jones to finally make the jump up. Uh, so again, who had uh, obviously been the uh, former interim UFC heavyweight champion that uh, that Ngato blitzed through uh, when they uh, had their unification fight. So there was a, a lot of mixed things here. And what do you remember about uh, about this time? And obviously, we're, we're going to talk about Francis Agano uh, a little bit maybe more than John Jones. Or you ever, what do you remember about this time and this whole kind of kerfluffle around the Jones and Nugano thing? Well, I, I think if like if we're if I'm remembering right, and again, you you brought it up like last year when we did this show, we we talked about how you know it looked like Jones and Nganu were were fighting, and and then obviously um, that didn't happen, and they ended up you know going to this. And I was actually uh, on holidays uh, when this all broke. And funny thing, like you know, I do the weekly show with Ryan Frederick in the Clinch, and and we go over everything in in uh, MMA and specifically UFC in very very great detail um, every week. And so this was one of the week, the only week I didn't do a show all year was when this broke. And so it, it was kind of funny because I was I was following it, but not super closely. Uh, family, we were in Disney World, and uh, you know, just kind of I was checking social media like maybe once a day. And it just wasn't on the top of my mind. And uh, so, yeah, this all broke. And then the one show where we're covering it, I wasn't even there. So I, <laughs> Ryan did the show with um, with uh, uh, Justin uh, Nipper, who I think he's done some work for FRW. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So the big Japan guy, who thinks he works for Noah now. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they had done that show and they got to talk about it. I talked about it a little bit later. But yeah, it was, you know, kind of shocking. And then Nagano, you know, leaving. And, and I think, you know, we always just kind of thought like, well, if he's going to do MMA, like you know, it's kind of a bad move because you don't think he's going to make enough money with PFL or wherever he and you know, he ended up in PFL, but wherever he ends up, we didn't know at the time, but I mean, you know, and he'd always been talking about that fury fight and uh, you know, and it, it turned out it worked out pretty well for him as uh, you know, I think um, pundits have put it. I think Ariel was one that said, you know, he bet on himself. Yeah. And uh, and sure enough, he worked and, and, you know, and he could always come back to UFC if he wants. I know Dana White has been on record as saying that they don't want him back. They don't need him back. And but Dana says a lot of things. And uh, so 
but yeah, you know, and then they, they, you know, they booked this Jones, uh, Cyril gone fight for, uh, T-Mobile. And that was really cool because as we'll get into a little bit later on in the show, I got to cover that show live, uh, in, um, in Vegas. So, mm. you know, I got to see John Jones return fight and I just happened to be going to Vegas that weekend. So it was more like I, I would have just covered it from home, you know, for the show, but because I was going to be there, I was credentialed and, you know, went to the press conference and everything. And, uh, so yeah, it was the first UFC I'd been credentialed for since before the pandemic. So, wow. um, you know, it's kind of, kind of cool for me too, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, big news, obviously probably, you know, I think in Ghana leaving, uh, was maybe the biggest news story of the year, um, in MMA, like just kind of off the top of my head. You know, there's maybe some other stuff that I forgot about that that we'll get to, but you know, yeah. that was that was pretty big. Yeah, and uh it was such a bummer because you know, there's so many of these fights, the high-end fights that you really have. Um, and this would this was one of them, one of those that really, you know, I think would transcend and kind of bleed over into the mainstream one that ESPN would hype up heavily. I mean, this was this this was one of the fights, if not the fight. And I'm yeah. bummed that we're not gonna there's probably a good chance we're never going to see us. I would say <laughs> never say never in, in today's society. Cause I mean, CM Punk returned to, to uh, WWE. So who knows, but uh, when it comes to fighting and, you know, and Gano being under contract now and Jones and, and uh, I, in the way the UFC is, it's possible, but it seems improbable. And, you know, we're, we'll probably get this at a time when both guys are well past their prime yeah. and it won't be as good. It won't be, it's kind of like chasing the, uh, the Khabib Tony fight whenever we want to see both those guys are prime. It just never, never was able to kind of align the right way. It just feels like this one, all the, the this one was never really close to being made as far as we know, but it's a bummer that we're not going to be able to see this. Yeah. That GSP Silva was another yes. one that yep. we kind of always wanted to see and never got to, yep. um, you know, yeah, I, I and I do think like at some point we'll probably end up seeing it, you know, and may, maybe it won't even be, you know, maybe they'll do like a grappling match or something like it'll sure. be just goofy or celebrity boxing in, you know, 2030 <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it is sad. And and the funny thing is, is PFL was kind of promoting this fight later on in the year. I, I don't know if it'll make our, our thing, yeah. but there was that one show where they were both cornering guys. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was, uh, you know, pretty pretty bizarre but uh we'll, we'll yeah. get to that later that's right uh one one pay for you during the month ufc 283 in rio de janeiro brazil nearly fourteen thousand people in attendance uh jamal hill uh defeating glover Teixeira to win the vacant light heavyweight title and of course vacated by uh it was jones that had the title at the time is that like i'm, I'm trying oh no it was uh Yuri Prohashka, right? He was, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. okay, boy, I'm conflating my years. And then uh, afterward, Glover Teixeira uh, retiring after a long and illustrious career. Uh, Brandon Moreno defeating Davison Figueroa, Figueroa rather, to regain the flyweight title in their fourth fight. And then uh, Shogun Hua losing by TKO in his retirement fight to Ihor Torreira. Um, easier said than done with that name. <laughs> but yeah, Shogun finally, uh, you know, years and years past his prime. Uh, losing by TKO in um, pretty quick fashion there, if I remember that right. So yeah, we had uh, it was a it was a year that there was a lot of titles that changed hands, and and again we go back to an era where uh, in the past where that didn't seem to happen as often, but now as the competition has got better, um, guys are more even. There's not those gaps in talent. You see these changes, and of course you know changes due to injuries and all that stuff, and and uh, you know we had a new 
light heavyweight champion. We had a new flyweight champion once again in that series. And uh, yeah, a year of a lot of belt training uh, commenced. Yeah, this was one where uh, this actually took place at the very end of the holidays that I was talking about earlier. So I had to kind of catch this on the last day before we recorded our show. So it was, you know, I kind of zipped through this show, but uh, it seemed pretty, you know, like not the greatest pay-per-view of the year by any means. Um, Main event was, you know, kind of boring in the sense, I think, to share, uh, you know, maybe one fight too many. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of showed here and Jamal Hill was, you know, the right guy at the right place at the right time. And I think people kind of look at him as kind of, you know, maybe a beatable champion. And then, you know, he ended up getting injured and, and didn't even get, get a chance to defend his belt, but, uh, he'll come back uh, next year probably and get a chance to, uh, to, to fight for it. And then Moreno Figueredo, you know, they always have great fights and, uh, this was no exception, but, you know, a pretty decisive win for Moreno, um, to establish himself and to finally move on. And then he ends up going ahead and losing the title <laughs> in his first title defense that, that we'll talk about later. So and other than that, it was, you know, just basically your standard Brazil show, you know, Brazil against the world uh, as they tend to do when they go there. I think this was the first um, pay-per-view in Brazil since uh, before the pandemic. And I think the last show in Brazil had been that one the in vacant, 2020. The empty yeah. arena show. Yeah. The empty arena, yeah. I thought the other news that you didn't quite mention, you know, wasn't would, a huge thing, but it was, you know, could be something down the road. Is we had the debut of the Bonfim brothers, who uh, came off Dana White's Contender Series, and uh, they both had impressive wins here. Uh, Gabriel and Ismail, um, they kind of had mixed results uh, throughout the year, and I don't know if you know, kind of people were kind of looking at them as maybe being the new Pitbull brothers, but uh, you know, they, they're young and and. They got hopefully got a nice future ahead of them. So uh, Dana White says they're going to be going to Brazil probably a couple times a year. So sure. I think those guys will play into a lot of the cards coming up. And speaking of Dana White, the other big news of the month, and again, we talked about this during the uh, Q4 episode because it had just happened that week yeah. at that point, for those that remember uh, that show. Uh, Dana White and his wife exchanging slaps in Cabo on New Year's Eve, and that resulted in all types of stuff going on. He had power slap the show. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. You can't, I mean, you can't make this stuff up that this slap exchange happened. And the show was then power slap. Dana White's power slap was delayed by a few weeks. That was a, a crazy occurrence there. Uh, what followed afterward was uh, a mix of uh, media members, sports media members, pop culture, people, everyone calling out white, and calling out the UFC for no type of um, uh, repercussions or, or anything like that. California senators called out Dana White, and Dana White did this interview. I can't remember who it was with, but he talked about you know essentially what his punishment was, and he said his punishment was having to deal with this for the rest of his life. He would be known as this, um, and that you know basically it was this kind of response to people saying, "Is there any type of you know suspension or anything like that?" And of course, you know they're owned by Endeavor at this point. The WWE sale was further down the road. But essentially him saying that, you know, his burden of having to deal with this was his um, was his punishment and which made a lot of people eye roll. I bring this up in, you know, given historical perspective, you know, we're here almost a year later after this happened, 11 months. Nothing, nothing really changed. There was no um, there's no like leftover stink from it. There's no. There was nothing that happened. It was just was it happened. 
he got he he worked with it and it's passed and the gates haven't gone down the paper you know i mean not, it, it was basically just like it happened and it it's it's wild man like months later ufc and, and wwe come together as part of tko and you have these <laughs> vince mcmahon yeah. who has his own controversy in 2022 and it just kind of kept going it's just like like perfect synergy these two guys um yeah i i, I guess i say i'm not surprised that uh that 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 happened um that there was no real kind of lasting repercussions it's uh yeah, it, it's just it's it's one I I can't fully get into words like my thoughts. It's just it's surprising, but not surprising. It's sad in a lot of ways. Well, there's one part that he said as well that I don't think you mentioned was he basically said like if if I punish myself, I mean, I'm really just punishing the company. Right. Is, is you know he was pretty arrogant, you know, in that you know if I disappear for a month, it's just going to hurt our business, and so in reality, like you know. It, the punishment would be, you know, like, you know, like you said, it's just his own thing, but, but a punishment wouldn't really be a punishment. He says, I get, I get like two months off and I still get paid. Like, you know, that's more like a reward in, in a way. So um, yeah, I mean, the, the only um, negative thing out of this really, and I'm not even sure if this is it, but you know, the perception of power slap. And I remember when, um, you know, when that whole thing happened, it's like, okay, there's no way. They cannot yeah. air something called Dana White's power slap on national TV after he just slapped his wife on camera. And I think they, I think they, I don't know if they changed the name, if it was just power slap and they took Dana White out of it, but he was all over that show. Um, as you know, as, as I think we'll talk about um, mm -hmm. if, if it was in your notes, uh, but, but if it, yeah, I'm just looking, I don't see it. So yeah, like I watched the first episode, uh, just because it was on after dynamite and I just, I wanted to see it and I was in the States, you know, I was on holidays, as I mentioned. So I, I said it, it didn't air in Canada, so I wouldn't even have the option to watch it here if I wanted to, but I watched one episode and that was it. Like I didn't need to see any more. So I don't know if the fact that power slap didn't really connect and now they're on some streaming platform that, you know, that nobody has um, and they're running pay-per-views that nobody buys if that is because of Dana White or if it's just because the product sucks, I would tend to focus more on the latter. Yeah. Um, and, and as far as Vince and you mentioned him, like he's also fallen from grace, but that's not due to his scandal. That's due to the fact that he doesn't do the job anymore very well. And if Dana White was having that same issue, he'd probably be gone too. So it's, it's not like these companies while well, Endeavor specifically and TKO, they don't really seem to have any kind of a moral compass it's more about whether or not you can do the job and they seem to be happy with the job dana white's doing their business is doing very well so you know he's going to get away with pretty much anything like unless he murders someone on camera <laughs> you know like i i yeah i don't know what he could do that would cause him to be you know removed from that position um, yeah it's sad but i mean it's he's pretty much teflon the idea and I'm glad you brought up the the idea that the you know we would punish other people or punish the company if I was gone for a couple of months. The fact that he, he thinks he's the only one that can run the company, granted, he's a huge part of it, he's the face of it. I mean, what happens if all of a sudden he has a heart attack? Like well, they, yeah. they yeah. have contingency plans there and they have smart people there that could figure it out. I mean, there's no way in hell that a a, a company worth that much money 
does not have contingency plan. You you have to. Same thing with WWE. I mean, you hey, you well, have sure. to. That that's that's and that's because, how we found they, out. Yeah, go ahead. And that's how we found out with WWE that they didn't need Vince. And mm. so I think Dana, in him saying that, is actually like he's saying that, and I'm sure he believes it. But he's also trying to protect his position because sure. if he removes himself and they figure out, oh, we don't need Dana White. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, they could get remove him at any time if they wanted to, because they're always about cost cutting. And what better way to cut costs than dumping a guy with his salary? <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, yeah. if they think they don't need him. Um, yeah. But at this point, he's got to convince that they do. Hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, all these months later, nothing, no uh, repercussions, no, no nothing. And uh, no, and I mean, at this expected. point, like unless unless you're doing a yearly retrospective, probably most people have forgotten about it. Mm hmm. Uh, but I mean, you, you mentioned power slap. I mean, it's the biggest social media phenomenon of all time. If you listen to Dana White, right? I, oh, sure. It, yeah. But I, it's crazy. Like he says this stuff and we know it's promoter speak. I like you, you know, follow a lot of you know, people that are into fighting and stuff on social. I never see anything about it unless it's a no. post, unless it's a news story about Dana White saying something like that. But I never, I never see clips. I never see like, it's hard. Like I see more like NBA stuff. Then and I'm not I, the NBA only guy. thing I see is when they, I'm watching UFC and they're airing commercials for it. Sure, is that's literally all I ever see about Power yeah. Slap, and I, I don't even know how I could watch it if I wanted to, and yeah. I don't want to, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're right. I watched that debut episode after Dynamite, and I'm like, this is just. And I, I I went in it with an open mind. I went in with thinking like, let's see how it is, and then, but I'm just like, this is just it's stupid. It just feels like so. Yeah force the the people involved it wasn't like tough where the first seasons of tough you know, the first few seasons of tough where the guys felt endearing it just felt like this is just it just doesn't it just feels like awful just nothing yes. about you and there's yeah. no there's no skill in slapping someone in the face you know it just doesn't i mean no and mma they tried but, to make it seem like a sport but i just yeah, i don't know didn't work Let's go through uh, the rest that we'll do. Uh, we'll split this into, into chunks. Uh, go through a part of okay. uh, first part of January here. So Luke, Ro <laughs> big surprise. We've always said this. Guys never unretire. They're just waiting for the next paycheck. Luke Rockhold, Luke Rockhold, rather, teasing unretiring. Uh, Art Davies said he tried to get Dan Gable for the first ever UFC event, UFC 1, where he could not uh, get a return call. Both Francisco Trinaldo and Mike Jackson, former guest of the show, done with the UFC. Of course, Mike Jackson, really well-known for being uh, Sam Punk's second opponent, and then um, also for his current uh, online wars with um, uh, Jake uh, Jake Shields. So that uh, there you go there. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov retiring from MMA coaching to spend more time with his wife and kids. Jose Aldo, his wife, were involved in a Brazilian government scandal that include the president of the country. He also said he was going to make his boxing debut in February, and then he was set to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame class for 2023. UFC Vegas 67, Sean Strickland, part of a big year for him. In for uh, subbing in for Kelvin Gastelum, had to have his teeth his uh, teeth sewn back in. Shared a video of that for some reason. Picked up a decision win over at Nasruddin Amov. Dan Ige winning fifty thousand dollars for a walk off knockout on that show. Former UFC fighter Anthony Rocco Martin was arrested, charged with assault. On law enforcement officers who responded to a 911 call at his Florida home, uh, Aljamain Sterling revealed he had a torn bicep, but the title fight with Henry Cejudo was still in the plans for UFC 287. Diego Sanchez and Austin Trout were set for Austin Trout, a boxing, former boxing champion, set to uh, knuckle it up in a bare knuckle fight. Antonio Carlos Jr., shoe face, 
This cast are Big Brother Brazil. Uh, the UFC betting scandal we talked a lot about last year. James Krause and Derek Miner were still suspended due to the betting scandal. And another name, Jeff Molina, was then suspended. He was involved in that whole camp. He was also suspended to what was called a substantial involvement. The initial suspension happened in December, but it was no one had any idea what was going on. It wasn't until January it came out. It was tied to all this stuff. Patty Pimblett uh, having ankle surgeries. He was going to be out of action for a while. And then Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko set to defend the flyweight title against Alexa Grasso at UFC 285, which would be quite a change there. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, another uh, title fight for the show that I would end up covering. So that was good to hear. Um, the gambling story, I guess, kind of similar to the Dana White power slap thing that, you know, at you know, last year at this time we thought was, you know, going to be huge. And you know what? They just kind of got rid of the people involved and powered through it. And, you know, and gambling is still as probably bigger now than it was a year ago. Um, you know, and just, uh, you know, they're, they, but they've got to make sure everything's on the up and up because they're getting a lot of money from, you know, the fan duel and whoever else is sponsoring. And, you know, you can't turn on the TV for, you know, watch any sporting event for more than 15 minutes and not see an ad for gambling. So um, big, big part of sports and, and UFC in particular, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, and uh, always good to hear about Mike Jackson. Um, you know, sad to see that he's gone from UFC, but he wasn't done with fighting because he, he would have a fight later this, yes. uh, just last month, I think, uh, which uh, just came out of nowhere and shocked me. And I was reminded uh, when I was going through our chat history of, of the fact that he was on your show and that uh, I listened to the show and ended up putting a bet down on Mike Jackson um, after hearing it when going before listening to your interview, I was fully convinced CM Punk was going to mow through the guy, but uh, I, uh, I believed Mike and it paid off because I won a nice little bet. So yeah, yeah. So not a lot there, but you know, your standard month. Um, Let's go. Always interesting to go back. Well, we have more stuff coming up in January. So we'll round out with this UFC 286 getting Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Uzman three as their main event. Justin Gaethje versus Javier Fiziev. Then Gunnar Nelson returning for his annual one fight a year. Uh, UFC 287, uh, Alex Pereira versus uh, Israel Adesanya two. And then Gilbert Burns taking on the returning Jorge Masvidal. This is, uh, this is, I love this. Conor McGregor's coach, John Kavanaugh, said he was willing to bet his house that McGregor would return in 2023. Had he done that, he'd be homeless. Conor McGregor was also hit by a car, uh, but however, no major injuries or really minor injuries. To that, Bigfoot Silva hinting at his power slap debut. Oh, my God. Uh, Bella Mir, the uh, daughter of Frank Mir, signed the first ever UFC NIL deal. And the NIL deals will... Let me go through this. I'll go back to NAL. Uh, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen, set for an April main event. Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann, set for a February main event. Raquel Pennington versus Irene Aldana, two, was set for a San Antonio main event. Peter Yan versus Mirab Devashvili, set for a March main event. Francis Agano was learned to be in negotiations for a boxing fight against Tyson Fury in the summertime. We'll talk more about that in future episodes. Rampage Jackson says he wants to box Vanderlei Silva. And then Laura Sanko was set to make her UFC color commentary debut at UFC Bay 68. I want to go back to the NIL deal and I'll throw it to you for other stuff. The NIL deals, you know, WWE has had these for a while now, and I don't know if they really produced anything in terms of actual talent and how they work. And really it's just a uh, way to kind of associate with um, try to recruit some athletes, try to find a way to align with uh, you know social media stars like these two twins, the basketball twins and, and what have you. 
But uh, with UFC, that does seem to be some way which I think they could help. Uh, it could really help their business long term, especially like collegiate wrestlers and things like that. It seems like a natural, a natural fit because if you're trying to especially compete now against like a PFL or something like that, if they may be trying to spend some money, if there's young talent that you think are out there and you try to keep away from, I almost say, I say keep away from WWE. Now they're part of the same companies. So that's kind of interesting dynamic, but I think NIL deals make a lot of sense for the UFC, especially again, for collegiate wrestlers that they may be able to swing some money towards or perhaps kind of get them in the the pipeline to a, a camp or something like that. So that was just kind of something that, uh, that stuck out, but uh, thoughts about any of the month. Well, I, yeah, I was going to bring up that one as well because I, I kind of had forgotten about this. And uh, I remember at the time when, it, when they first announced it and they sent out a press release thinking, you know, this is a really good idea. And Bella Mir is, is a good person to start with because she's got a little bit of name recognition. And, and we, you know, and we even kind of, uh, I think Brian and I did a segment on it and, and we kind of tossed around the idea of, you know, what would you do? And UFC has these relationships with different feeder organizations that they put on UFC Fight Pass. And you could do mm-hmm. a show where you would have Bellamir fighting and then maybe have Frank Mir on the same show. And I know that he had said that a goal of his would be to, to fight on the same card as his daughter, you know, and, and one final fight. And, and I'm pretty sure that's actually going to happen at some point. Um, but um, you know, so, so they did that and, and just even listening to you talking and I was kind of had it in my head as well, that I was almost thinking like with, with, with the combined UFC and WWE now under TKO, they may be able to find these athletes and sign them to an NIL deal. And then once they're in house kind of determine, okay, where would you be most suitable for either UFC or WWE? And, mm. and they could, you know, perhaps, you know, like not necessarily decide ahead of time that, Oh, you're going to be UFC. You're going to be WWE. And uh, because obviously certain people might be good at both. They might have an affinity towards one. Um, I like you, I don't know. You know, it's it's really early still, even though UFC's or WWE's been doing this for a couple of years, like to kind of see what kind of benefit they've had. But I do think like some of the people coming up in NXT now were originally part of this NIL thing. Um, you know, I think Kalani Jordan might be one. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, know, and, yeah. And yeah, and, and I think the uh, uh, Hank Walker and Tank, I think maybe are are as well. So you know, like they're very early stages of their careers, but you know, you know, five years from now, we might we might start to see some dividends, and and that's kind of what they're doing. I think it'll be the same in UFC. You know, um, they've got the Contender Series, they've got the Ultimate Fighter, and now they got this, and uh, you know, so it's they're investing in the future, and I and I think it's always good, and um, you know, and using people that already have these social media followings is you know kind of it's lessening the amount of investment that they have to put into it. And these, you know, I think these people are working for relatively low amounts of money. So, um, you know, it's not a huge financial outlet. Um, other than that, like the, the rest of it, eh, you know, not a ton there, you know, a lot of table setting as, uh, you know, we, we get in this early months. But um, the uh, Laura Sanko, I was really happy to uh, to hear that. And when she finally when she finally did do her uh, commentary debut, like she fit right in. You know, and I, I watched Contender Series as well. So, uh, so I, you know, I'd heard her and, you know, Invicta, I, I don't watch anymore, but I used to watch it and she always did commentary in there as well. So I always thought she would be a good fit and um, she's just kind of fitting in as part of the crew now. And uh, it's good to hear and good to see. And and uh, fans seem to accept it. Um, so, you know, that was good to see too. So speaking of transition months, let's flip to February, which uh, really is a transition month for both WWE and um, really pro oh, wrestling yeah. in general when I did that month and also 
UFC. It's kind of historically, that's the way it is. But uh, we kick off with Conor McGregor. Finally, some potential light at the end of the tunnel that he was going to make his UFC return because he and Michael Chandler were set to coach Top 31 on ESPN. I believe the first Top to actually air on ESPN proper, if I remember right. And they were set to, the idea was they were going to fight later in the year. It is uh, Thursday, December 7th, as we're recording this, and there's no schedule yet for this fight. We'll talk more about McGregor's year, and uh, especially with USADA coming up in a bit. However, at this point in February, he was not in the USADA pool yet. There was speculation about the fight taking place in Cowboys Stadium. McGregor was accused of getting his teammates on the show and bumping other fighters off. That became a story. And then... (laughs) And then asked about uh, during one, I think might've been a contender series or might've been one of the, uh, the Vegas events, you know, Dana White was asked about this, about, you know, McGregor and his group getting special treatment. Dana White says, who gives a shit? So, um, but anyway, so one of the biggest names still in the game, despite the fact he has not fought uh, since getting his leg broken by uh, Khabib and just, uh, I mean, I have no idea. I, I think we probably said the same thing last year. I have no idea what we get in a Conor McGregor in 2023 or 2024. He still talks a game, but I, you know, it's been years, you know, and it, I mean, he just, if you take the time before the last Khabib fight, there was just, he had fought what for 90 seconds against Donald Cerrone or even less than that 67, whatever it was. This guy has just not fought in real, really in years. I have no idea what we're going to get. Um, Michael Chandler has been on the shelf because they're still waiting to see if when this fight's going to happen. And we'll talk a little bit again in the future episodes about Kyle McGregor's road and how we got here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I am long past caring about tough just because it does it after watching so many seasons for so long, you kind of get it. It was fun when there was really kind of you know the sport was really kind of on the rise, but now with so many fights and so many guys and things to watch it just doesn't have that same you know that same feel anymore and you know kind of the sophomoric antics and things like that it's just like we've, we've we've been there and done that after you see the chris lieben types and some of these other crazy guys like everyone else that comes after is just uh you know different um shades of gray of that but when you heard about this did you have any anticipation for this at all or are you kind of like eh, we'll see what happens no i i actually you know i i thought you know and i still watch tough um you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why sometimes, but, um, but, uh, I know when I heard about this, I thought, man, that's going to be great. And it's going to be on ESPN and that's going to be, you know, like maybe it's going to have a, a renaissance and, you know, McGregor and Chandler on the same screen at the same time, like it's going to be can't miss TV. And, um, and you know, there'll, there'll be a million people watching every week and maybe, you know, they're going to do like a massive buy rate for this fight when it happens in Jan- July, you know, it's kind of the thought I had at that time. And then, you know, like I, the show happened and I watched it and it, I mean, it was probably a little bit better than most recent seasons, but you know, there was a moment here and a moment there, but mostly it was, it was almost more like Connor trying to rehab his image, <laughs> um, you know, as opposed to, you know, like he did have a few moments that they caught on camera where, you know, the old Connor came out and there was some heated exchange between him and Chandler. But then the other thing was, is, is Chandler's team just wiped the floor with Connor's team. And so part of it was the frustration that Connor was feeling of losing every single week. And I think he finally won the last fight or, or his team would have got swept. And uh, so, so that was probably the ongoing storyline, but you know, nobody was watching. So it, it didn't matter. Like at, by the end of the season, like they were doing, they were doing worse numbers than PFL does. 
Mm. Um, you know, and that's something that nobody talks about. But uh, this this season was a bust. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much money they spent to get McGregor and Chandler to do it. Uh, but I'm sure they, you know, they probably lost money on this. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, the whole stuff with Connor not being in the pool and is he retired? Is he not retired? And certain reporters uh, saying that, yeah, you know what, he's not retired. And other ones, yes, he is. And, you know, there's a reason he's not being tested. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, later in the year, he finally got back in the testing pool. But for the longest time and then the, with this whole thing of dana white he's, he's right because you saw it later came out and said you know like our suspensions really they're just recommendations like ufc can do what they want and so if they if connor failed a test like they could have even still put him on a show if they wanted to it's just a matter of whether or not they want to or or you know or, or ignore this six month rule as you know they did for brock lesnar and i think there's been the odd fighter that they've signed and just put on a show and they mm-hmm. haven't had to do the six month thing. So, you know, like they've ignored this rule before. Uh, it's just, you know, obviously nobody is high profile as Connor. So, um, you know, it's and that the whole retirement to gain the system is, you know, just a dirty little secret that everybody knew. And, uh, you know, like Darren Till is another one, you know, like he left UFC, uh, you know, quote unquote retired. And at some point they'll bring him back and uh, he won't have to be in the testing pool because he was retired. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that happens and, and it's just what we deal with in the sport. Now it's all changing anyways, as we'll get into later on. But, Certainly uh, will. Yeah. 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 I mean, with, uh, I think the fact that McGregor did not do, the show did so poorly with arguably UFC's still most marketable name and well-known name, that's going to that's gonna tell the company something, I think. And perhaps they don't give a shit. I don't know. But I mean, that's going to, that's going to tell them something. I mean, I still think, uh. You know, McGregor paper, you still do a massive number of buys, but in terms of just general interest for a reality show, I think that's going to tell them something. Maybe people just aren't that yeah. interested in this as they, they keep thinking, you know? No. And, and the funny thing is, is the, the contender series, actually, I think there is a lot of people watching that. So they don't release numbers cause it's on fight pass, but um, I see a lot more uh, social media stuff about contender series than I do about ultimate fighter and watching both shows. The contender series is far better. And the quality of fighter that you get off of the contender series is much more ready for UFC than the people on ultimate fighter. So if it was me, I would just dump ultimate fighter and maybe do two seasons of contender series every year. But sure. you know, they seem to have a, they seem to not want to get rid of ultimate fighter. So when we head to Perth, Australia, UFC two eighty four, huge success, 14 over 14,000 people over a $4 million gate. Very, very good business there for the UFC. Islam Makachev defeated Alexander Volkanovsky to retain the lightweight title in a uh, champion versus champion match. Of course, just the uh, lightweight title was on the line. Yair Rodriguez winning the interim featherweight title in a submission win over Josh Emmett in the uh, co-main event. A lot of buzz on this show. I'm kind of looking at headlines over uh, Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, a lot of buzz about him and his future. But yeah, um, the UFC is, uh, I mean, they're strong everywhere, but obviously, you know, hu- hugely strong in uh in australia but unfortunately you know the local guy not able to get it done they would have a, a short notice rematch we'll talk about later in the year but uh islam makachev just again really kind of just taking over K- for khabib in terms of just pure domination and kind of waiting for someone that's really going to give him a test yeah uh big big year for jack del Medellina and and uh you you know you brought up uh he he'd go on to win two more times including a win over kevin holland you know, which is a really big name. So that's somebody to definitely keep an eye out in the welterweight division. And this was kind of the start of it. 
Um, Makachev and Volkanovsky had, you know, it was a great fight. Um, a lot of people think Volkanovsky won. Um, they ended up rematching later in the year on short notice. And, um, you know, and that didn't go quite as well for Volkanovsky, but, um, you know, he kind of bailed them out. Um, I think the, you know, this was one where, you know, you mentioned the gate and they obviously did a great gate, but they also got a site fee. And that was something that is going to be happening more and more often as, uh, as this progresses, because that's what Endeavor and TKO are looking for. They're looking for site fees for the big WWE and UFC shows. Um, Yara Rodriguez uh, beating Josh Emmett in the co-main event for the interim featherweight title, you know, was uh, another great performance from Yair. And just a big night for the Australian fighters in general. You know, a lot of Australian fighters on this show. And we got to see uh, you know, some nice finishes. And, uh, yeah, uh, just, you know, those Australian shows are always fun. They, they, this one, though, was weird because sometimes they'll tailor them for the local market. But in this case, they aired it at the regular pay-per-view time. So, you know, these were people that were showing up at, I think, 8 o'clock in the morning, Australia time, That's right. on Sunday to yeah. watch and you know the main event getting underway at you know or, or the main card getting underway around noon so you know but they showed up and they showed out and uh you know so good good on them and uh you know i think they got another big show coming up uh soon in yeah. in australia so we'll uh see how that one does let's go through uh the rest of the month we'll rip through all this in uh, in one chunk there's not a huge amount here ufc signing a prime sponsorship deal with logan paul there was a big uh you know teasing before this uh that the, the way that Dana White framed it was kind of like, is Logan Paul going to fight for the UFC? But it turned out to be a prime sponsorship deal instead. Again, the uh, the Paul brothers, or at least Jake Paul, a uh, constant antagonist of Dana White. So it's interesting his brother uh, getting into business with him as well. Uh, UFC Vegas 68, Sergey Spivak submitting Derek Lewis in the first round for a dominant victory there. Uh, Jessica Andrade and Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield main event was set for Vegas 69 after Talia Santos got injured. Aaron Blanchfeld won rather easily for his submission in uh, the second round. And then Jim Miller suffering was called a traumatic cataract during his uh, loss on that event. With UFC Vegas 70, a lot of uh, fight night events, of course. Brendan Allen submitting Andre Munoz. And uh, Ryan Spann versus Nikita Krylov was scrapped at the very last second uh, earlier in that day, I believe, or maybe during the night. So that was one of those that um, not a lot of star power to begin with, but definitely when you have the the main event gone the last day, kind of uh, kind of sucks. Uh, somebody named Hamdi Abdel Wahab, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, was suspended two years by USADA, and again, uh, we'll talk more about USADA and their influence or lack of influence later on. Sean O'Malley uh, signed a contract extension, big year for him. Kevin Lee re-signed with the UFC. There are big changes to UFC contracts. They added restrictions. Uh, in a waiver to prevent future class action lawsuits because this lawsuit obviously is still going on. So there's a lot of attention to that. Jens Pulver was announced to be heading to the Hall of Fame in a very cool, uh, I'd say viral moment as far as how he learned about it because he was doing, uh, he does these uh, live um, kind of watch alongs in his on UFC's Twitch channel, I believe. And uh, when he found out, he was uh, very emotional. So you can, uh, that, was, that was a really cool moment to see if you haven't watched that. Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sandhagen main event was set for San Antonio. Anthony Smith. Versus Johnny Walker, set to be headlining a future UFC event. Matt, I, I listen here because I had no idea Court McGee was still fighting. Matt Brown versus Court McGee was signed for me. One of those crossroad fights with uh, two veterans. I had no idea that Court McGee was still in action. Uh, Conor McGregor's, uh, one of his accusers of assault, both had her uh, home and car vandalized throughout the month. She's, McGregor fans are just crazy. Greg Hardy, old friend of the UFC, knocked out flat in a bare-knuckle fight. 
And uh, Diego Sanchez, as expected, got pieced up by Austin Trout. His bare knuckle fight, Cody Garbrand, set to face Trevin Jones at uh, UFC 2 fight 85. I included in there because at one point, Cody Garbrand was one of your favorite yeah. fighters. I remember that as part of the series. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Michael Chiesa set to return against Lee Jingong. The leech at UFC 287, UFC 288, got Charles Oliveira versus Benil Darius, a fight that a lot of people were looking forward to. Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades was set for an April main event. Yari Rosenstrike versus Yelton Almeida was signed for a May main event. Multiple wardrobe malfunctions during the month for UFC female fighters, and they were asking for some uh, some help there. Darren Tilly, just mentioned a minute ago, was cut as far as uh, after requesting his release. There's a lot of other fighters that uh, met their ends in the UFC as well. And then Luke Rockhold, signing with bare knuckle fighting championships. So there's a lot there. Uh, thoughts about any of that. Yeah. Some of this I had forgotten about and some, you know, is, um, you know, I, I knew and just, you know, it's weird when you're going back, you know, 10 months that, you know, some, sometimes some of these things feel like they just happened and some yeah. feel like they were years ago. <laughs> um, the, that guy you mentioned, the Hamdi Abdel Wahab, I remember, um, when he was signed, it was kind of a late notice thing. And, and I, you know, I'd never heard of him, And um, so I did a little bit of research on him and, and this, like, he just seemed like a guy that was going to be like super popular. And he was just this massive, like heavyweight and uh, his fight was kind of disappointing. And, uh, so, and, and he cut a promo and it wasn't very good. And then he ended up getting cut and it's like, Oh, well, that experiment uh, went nowhere, but you know, it, it was fun while it lasted. Um, and he's got the memorable name. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't even wouldn't even have thought of him. Um, you uh, nice to see uh, Greg Hardy KO'd. Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, and uh, yeah, the um, Jens Pulver thing was cool. I really like the way that UFC uh, does their Hall of Fame announcements. You I know? do it's too. It's not just yeah. yeah. They like the fact that it's a surprise. Like when uh, Donald Cerrone. Uh, I, I don't know if that, I can't. Was that this year? um when when he went in or was i can't remember if it was this year or last year but when they flew his family in and he didn't even know they were there um you know and or you know when daniel cormier got uh announced last year and he was on commentary yep. and you know and, and he just like broke down and, he, and bisping was another one um rashad just evans. super memorable yeah rashad evans he was yeah in, he was at uh at cage side yeah and he was uh yeah yeah, yeah they caught him there it was pretty cool it's really cool the way they do that. I think Dana White uh, is that's one thing he does really well. And, uh, you know, it's a great moment for the fans in attendance, for the people involved. Oh, another big one was um, uh, uh, Mark Ratner. Remember that one? Mm. Uh, it was him, right? Um, the or is that, there was one of the officials that got nominated, like one of the Vegas officials, old guy. Is it that's him, right? It has uh, to be, last uh... year. And and it was the same thing though, where he was there and and he didn't know and and he just he got was super emotional. I, I want to say it was him, but I might he, have that was two thousand twenty one, which he got inducted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was one they did on the show, and and yeah, I, I totally remember that then because he's like an older guy, right? Like yes, um, yeah, yeah. So it was that yeah, it was definitely the one. And so yeah, it, just certain memorable ones, and and like I said, I really like the way they do that, and uh, hopefully they keep it up. It's kind of hard to come up with ways to do it and pulver had been campaigning to be in the ufc hall of fame mm -hmm. for a long time so uh i know there's a lot of consternation about whether or not you know he should qualify but when you really look at his record like not necessarily his record but the stuff he accomplished i think he's like definitely a good candidate for the hall of fame you know doesn't have the best like win-loss record but in terms of like influence and and being a pioneer definitely um really important to 
um, you know, that the early start of the lightweight fighter, lighter weight fighters in UFC and that pins um, uh, that uh, Pulver Faber uh, feud was mm-hmm. huge, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the there's a whole, yeah, a whole era of uh, WC that gets overlooked, you know? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, without that, I mean, you know, maybe Faber and the rest of them don't end up in UFC, you know, like that. They think they had 1.5 million people um, tuning in for a show on versus uh, mm-hmm. way back in the day. And that was a time when UFC wasn't even doing those, those kind of numbers. So yeah, it, it was huge. Well, let's flip to uh, March and UFC 285 and 286, a double rare double pay-per-view month for yeah. the UFC. And we we're just talking about this. John Jones dispatching Sorrell Gan quickly to win the heavyweight title. And after the show, you know, Dana White always says, I don't make fights on uh, on event nights after wraps. And it's like, you used to do this. You used to announce who was next. And he did announce who was next. Stipe Miocic, the former UFC heavyweight champion, and would have been out of the game for a very long time. He was set to take on uh, John Jones next. There was no idea when that was going to happen, but that was the that was the story. As I mentioned earlier, Alexa Grasso, big upset, picking up a big underdog submission win over Valentina Shevchenko to win the UFC flyweight title that was a big moment as well again uh there was a i think there was some controversy about that if i'm remembering that right but uh but it was again a huge huge uh upset win uh because shevchenko just been steamrolling over people and grand you know kind of in the later fights you got more decisions if i remember right but right. you know forever just domino is kind of one of those things of you know you have no idea who's going to beat her and alexa grasso was the one bo nickel picking up a quick win in his official debut in the UFC, of course, he was a member of the Contender Series, but this uh, as a, as a main roster member. And afterwards, there was some talk about uh, in a, uh, his opponents camp complain about an illegal move that they thought he did. I don't know if anything ever came of that, but sounded kind of sour grapes. And your guy Cody Garbrandt won, but he also suffered a neck injury in doing so. But yeah, this was a, a night where we didn't really learn a lot about John Jones. We got to see him as a heavyweight. Physically, got to see him and kind of how he looked. There was a lot of you know questions and intrigue about that. But he, you know, he he took care of business quickly, and who knows when we're going to see him fight again because he got hurt. But for his, uh, you know, few minutes of time in there, he got the job done, and he is uh, no matter what happens at this point, he's a you know two division champion and and uh, it's part of a growing list. But yeah, John Jones on top of the world at least for uh, for a night. Yeah, certainly in the building, um, and this and the press conference after, like Jones came off as really like the goat you know like uh there it felt on that night like there's no question you know he comes in heavyweight debut uh, wins a title in quick fashion over a guy who you know had been uh you know like pretty like not quite unbeatable but you know like a, a very impressive ufc record before this and uh and jones just mowed through him um so you know and, and the way dana was talking he was obviously really happy i i mentioned i covered the show live i've never um I've never been to uh, uh, none of the shows I've covered. I don't think where Dana White did the presser after. I'm I'm not sure. Like, I don't remember him. Certainly not as long as he did this one. Um, He was out there for like, I don't know, 40 minutes. And and he was just in his glory. And like people were asking him the dumbest questions. (laughs) And he was not treating them as dumb as the questions were like i was i was amazed at some of the questions that people were asking i i, I just couldn't believe it. like i didn't ask anything just because like i couldn't 
uh, just like, I mean, anything I wanted to ask, you know, the important, you know, the, the, the main reporters were asking anyways. And then sure. some of these stupid ones, I'm sure I could have come <laughs> up with a dumber question. But, um, the, uh, it was weird though. Like I, I, um, every show I've covered before, I've always been cage side, but because this was like a big Vegas show, um, they had some of us up in, in the media section, which was way at the top of the building. Like, yeah. um, and, and they had like a media central there, but then where the press tent was, was you had to go out, all the way down and out. And it was like a, like a 20, 25 minute walk to get from where I was sitting to where that was. So I, and they, you know, you know, they serve nice food there. So <laughs> at one point I went to get food and I actually missed the bone nickel fight. Oh, you um, did. Or not quite like I didn't, I saw the finish. But, um, you know, I, I started walking at the end of the fight before. And by the time I got to the tent, like they'd already done the intros and the fight that started. So he was in the submission hold uh, when I was in the tent. So I watched that part on the screen. But um, it was, uh, you know, he that's a guy to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, you know, he's, I would say you could put money on the fact that he's going to be a future champion. Um, might be a couple of years away, but uh, he's got all the credentials and he's also, you know, a uh, he comes off as a major superstar, like just with his charisma and his look and, and everything. Grasso winning was huge um, for Mexico. And it was a big year for Mexico, um, you know, with uh, Brandon Moreno and Yara Rodriguez and now uh, Alexa Grasso three months in a row, uh, all winning these title fights. Um, so, you know, and there's talk about a UFC PI in Mexico, which I don't know if we'll get to at some point, but um, that was, you know, kind of picking up steam here. And then the one thing you didn't mention uh, from the show that's uh, not in your notes was, uh, and I probably wouldn't even have known if I wasn't there live, but they filmed uh, a scene for Roadhouse with uh, Jake oh. Gyllenhaal uh, <laughs> in the in the cage doing doing MMA fight, and it was yes, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. got to yeah, we got we got to see it, and uh, man, that dude was jacked, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was it was just funny because they had Buffer doing the intros and. Uh, you know, and, and like he looked like every other UFC fighter, you know, like I, you know, if you, if you, he looked a lot like Luke Rockle to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I was about to say like, the same thing. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so, yeah, I, I filmed it. Uh, you know, I, I still, every once in a while, I'll, it'll, you know, when you get those little memory things on your phone and mm -hmm. it'll show up and I'll watch it again. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie when it comes out. And the event did uh, almost 20,000 people in attendance and 12.1. Uh, million yeah. dollar gate in las vegas yeah, so that's why i was in the rafters that's right <laughs> yeah. that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Auxiliary but uh yeah i got to see the weigh-ins at the uh you know at the pi i had never been to the pi so that was cool to see too. Oh, that's cool yeah nice yeah nice. so then we go to ufc 286 uh later that month and of course uh leon edwards picking up a majority decision over kamaru uzman to retain the welterweight title in their trilogy kind of ending the uh the reign on top and over Kamar, of Kamar Usman in terms of like a top, top guy. If that's this point, kind of a little bit further down the ladder. Uh, Justin Gaethje picking up a submission win over uh, Hapriel uh, Pizzeev uh, to cement himself as one of the guys in the next in line for a uh, lightweight title shot. Colby Covington actually weighed in as a backup for the Edwards Usman fight. Really the first time we'd seen him since all the uh, legal scuttlebutt with uh, Jorge Masvidal. We'll talk more about that. Gunnar Nelson uh, picking up an armbar win over Brian Barberina at his return and Dana White confirmed Colby Coven as the next challenger to Leon Edwards. However, Leon Edwards disagreed with that. So that led to a whole nother discussion as well. So UFC 286 taking place at the O2 Arena in London, England, 17588 for an $8.5 million gate. So a lot of good money for UFC. And yeah, Leon Edwards, uh, 
know, not exactly Mr. Charisma in, in the, uh, in the welterweight <laughs> division by any means, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Usman series was, uh, was good. And I mean, there was this stretch, obviously we talked about before where Usman was just so dominant and people comparing it was, he is the best welterweight of all time and all that. I tend to say no, uh, but uh, it, it's kind of just, it just ended like within a span of like a couple fights, you know, just like that. He's uh he's one of the pack again. Well, and it's weird because, you know, the first fight he was going to win. And then, you know, uh, Leon Edwards got that head kick knockout out of nowhere. And in this fight, um, you know, Leon Edwards dominated, but then Usman did a comeback and, you know, it ended up being a majority decision. It was a real close fight, but um, you know, Leon Edwards retained and now, you know, Kamaru Usman is in this kind of limbo where, you know, he can't really challenge for welterweight. He he did move up to middleweight later in the year, and he looked real good in his, his debut. So, you know, maybe there's a future for him at middleweight. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and a big, big fight in London, obviously. Um, you know, and uh, they always show up for those cards. Um, the, um, I you know, I am just looking at the, you know, the, the rest, that geishi Fizia fight was, you know, a, fight of the year kind of contender, like just, you know, highly skilled, but the rest of that fight, you know, I don't know. It was kind of, it was, I'd say I was a little bit disappointed. Like some of these fight night cards that they will do in London where the crowd is just going nuts. And, uh, you know, I think of some of those shows with Patty Pimblett and uh, Molly McCann on them. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, before that you always had the Conor McGregor shows and, you know, like um, Darren Till and and you know they really really show up and and go nuts for their fighters and in this case they didn't really have a lot of their um you know their big big stars um that you know fighting so it was and the ticket prices were super high like you mentioned that gate 8.6 million dollars so we're talking you know pro- average ticket price of over 500 bucks wow. and so this was not uh you know the 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 blue collar fans this was the high end people. And I heard that a lot from fan. Like I have friends in the UK and they said like, this was not a typical UFC UK crowd. This was more like your highbrow, you know, they're there cause it's the place to be, but they're not necessarily huge fight fans. Hmm. And so you kind of saw that in the reactions that people got. So, um, you know, but obviously very successful for UFC and they're going back again, I'm sure in, in March, that seems to be an annual tradition um, that they go in, in March, either for a pay-per-view or for a fight night. Um, so, uh, but yeah, big, uh, big win for Leon. And then, you know, it turns out, uh, Dana was right. Cause the next fight is Colby Covington. Uh, right. it's happening, uh, in nine days as we speak. So coming up very shortly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, so we'll go through, uh, the rest of the month here. Not a ton here, but a few items of note, uh, McGregor and, and, uh, Michael Chandler, I almost said Tyson Chandler, Michael Chandler, uh, <laughs> supposedly he got some, some kind of brawl at top 31 Dana White hinted at it. And did that ever happen on the show? Was there some sort of pull apart? Yeah. Yeah. They, they did, uh, they kind of got into it, uh, before one of the later fights, got um, it. you know, and, and, and Ch- Mike Connor was like, we can go right now. And Chandler said, yeah, let's do it. And it never happened. <laughs> Uh, there are more questions about McGregor and USADA, and nobody was answering. So that was uh, interesting, and we'll talk more about that. New York Times came out with a big story on Power Slap. The season one rings were terrible, as we uh, talked about earlier. So they would uh, find their end on Power Slap and end up making their way to Rumble, which is a, uh, a streaming service. It's tell me to be a, a uh, le- right-leaning uh, alternative to YouTube. So, uh, yeah, they would head to uh, Rumble and 
you know, they're, they're a huge success story over there, according to Data White. So we'll have to take his word for it. The company had their best financial year in 2022 due to lower athlete costs. That was actually quoted in uh, one of their one of their uh, reports. Um, but yeah, big surprise there with a lot of cheaper athletes, higher ticket prices, more revenue. Mike Swick, good news for him. He was cancer-free after a whole year. UFC 71, uh, Mirab Valishvili defeated Pierre Jan. Uh, Alexander Volkov defeated Alexander Romanov in a battle of Alexanders. Uh, and Rafael Sunsau retired after a loss. There was title talk immense about uh, Merab. However, he didn't want to challenge his teammate and friend, Aljamain Sterling, which Dana White does not like. He likes when guys fight. He doesn't like friendships. He wants fights. He said it was a big mistake. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. UFC San Antonio, Corey Sandhagen uh, picked up a decision win over Cheeto Vera. Split decision win there. Benson Henderson, the first time I've actually mentioned Bellator during this whole uh, section. Be- Benson Henderson, uh, former WC champion, UFC champion, retiring after a loss at Bellator 292. Maybe we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission claims no record of UFC ever asking to overturn the John Jones versus uh, Matt Hamill DQ decision way back in the day that uh, that gave Jones the single loss in his career. I think everyone agrees it's kind of bullshit the, the way it went down and Dana White saying they were going to overturn it. There's no record of them actually ever doing that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, you mentioned this earlier, Donald Cerrone uh, and Anderson Silver both announced this heading into the Hall of Fame. So that, uh, you know, that surprise you were talking about earlier actually happened in the month of March. Jorge Havaz- Masvidal vowed to murder Colby Covington legally and Covington also threatened John Anik of all people because of uh, Benil Dariush being uh, on one of the podcasts as part of his kind of separate deal network and and all that stuff. So that happened, that was a whole thing. Uh, Paul Costa signed a new UFC deal. His agent said it was $1 million per fight. I don't think anyone believes that. Uh, Josh Emmett and uh, Ilya Topuria uh, was set to headline a UFC June show, which a lot of people were looking forward to uh, due to a Topuria. And then uh, Misha Tate, still happening, still out there, uh, set to take on Myra Bueno Silva in a June main event. So we'll start with Benson Henderson and then feel free to, to hit on any of these other things as well. But uh, yeah, Benson Henderson, an interesting MMA run. Not, uh, I, I remember him for, I mean, a lot of things, but the Frankie Edgar series and kind of how dull some of those fights were. It feels like those guys just fought each other. You know, Frankie Edgar fought either Gray Maynard or uh, Benson Henderson for the better part of like five years. Um, you know, it was just, it wasn't the most, I thought he was a lot more exciting in WEC than he was when he got to the UFC. I thought more kind of conservative and, and so on. Um, obviously the, the, uh, getting hit with the Pettis kick, you know, that, that is, is on the negative side, kind of in his ledger, as far as things he's remembered for. Uh, but a distinct look, uh, was a guy who never really, you know, got in trouble or anything like that. Seemed to be a, you know, stand up family guy. And he went to, he went to Bellator and, had some opportunities, but never really kind of, you know, crested up. It was just always kind of just ups, peaks and valleys in terms of wins. So a uh, a notable career, I wouldn't say, you know, a Hall of Fame career, uh, if I had to think so right now. But, you know, a, a notable career, which is more than a lot of guys can say. Yeah, it, uh, it reminded me of the fact that I used to write uh, MMA articles for F4W. And uh, I remember writing a few about Benson Henderson uh, right around the time that he became a free agent and when he signed with Bellator. And I even had done, uh, you know, an article, you know, kind of predicting what he could do and going over his history. And at the time, I do remember thinking, you know, that um, that UFC at the time was making a mistake uh, letting him go 
you know, he was one, he actually moved ratings for them. And, uh, you know, and he was a, he is a former champion and a fairly big star when he left, but in retrospect, um, you know, I think they probably did the right thing because his career in Bellator was very kind of mediocre. I mean, he mm. never won a title. Um, his record was not much over 500 while he was there. And, you know, it's not like he was fighting world beaters. So, um, you know, so I think maybe if he had stayed in UFC and just kind of ran out the path and kind of doing the same thing like Clay Guida's doing now and stuff like that, like I think he probably would be in the UFC Hall of Fame down the road, but maybe he won't be now because he, he did fight. He fought a long time in Bellator. I think he had like 13, 13, 14 fights in there just off the top of my head. I don't have his record up here, but um, yeah, it, it uh, you know, but yeah, good career. Not, not, you know, like not quite hall of fame, but, but very good. Um, a couple other things here, the UFC having their best financial year due to lower costs. I mean, I think we, we saw like they, you know, even though they had their revenue was up, the percentage that they paid to fighters was, or their total cost paid to fighters was actually down. So, um, you know, obviously that's going to lead to higher profits. Um, and that would be due to the fact that, you know, their big stars almost never fight. And so they're, you know, they did a show, um, you know, some of these fight night shows, they're making an average of something like 14 or $15 million a show uh, from ESPN. And wow. the total payroll on these shows is probably less than half a million dollars. Yeah, like yeah, the, the profit margin is ridiculous. And then some of them they're running from the apex, so their expenses are nil. Um, but then when they go on the road and they do a fight night, they're selling out with any two fighters on the in the main event. You know, they're doing a two million dollar gate. It's just ridiculous how much money they're making. Um, the uh, there was one other one that had jumped out on me here that I wanted to mention. I'm just kind of looking back at this. Uh, Oh, maybe. Oh, you know what? No, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention that wasn't on your on your thing. Um, So I mentioned that I went to UFC 285. Do you remember what happened? What was the next day after UFC 285? Oh, um, was uh... the AW Revolution. Oh, okay. And I went to that show, too. Oh, no kidding. So when when the when the uh, when UFC was over. I went back to my hotel. I slept for like three hours. I hopped on a red eye to San Francisco from Vegas and uh, met up with Garrett Gonzalez from Wrestling Observer Radio and Dave and Brian. Spent the day together, went for lunch, and and I watched Revolution. And then I hopped a flight back to Vegas, had a quick nap, and then got on a plane and flew back to Winnipeg. So Mm -hmm. I I managed to get uh, one of those cheap airplanes for like 95 bucks. Uh, to go from Vegas to San Francisco and return. And then, you know, I just found a ticket, you know, I didn't get comped, I actually paid for my ticket for revolution, but um, yeah, it was, uh, I bet you I'm the only person in uh, pro wrestling MMA media that went to both those shows. <laughs> I would so, think so. Uh, Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And they were both great shows. So, so Benson Anderson, 14 fights in Bellator, 14 fights okay, in the go. UFC. So, the Oh, eight, wow. Isn't that crazy? And and then he had WEC as well. So, so w- you know, yeah, I think- one, two, three, four, five, six, six fights in WEC, fourteen wow. fights in the UFC, and then fourteen fights in Bellator. Yeah, he started his Bellator run. He he started at welterweight because he had that uh, that pretty be- one side loss to Andre Koreshkov. He beat yeah. Patricio Pitbull. Then he lost back to back fights to Chandler and Patricky Pitbull. So that's a tough run. He started his his run at you know one and three against names. It was kind of like yeah. How about that and, yeah. and and you know and, and everything went to a decision and uh you know like 
It was just, you know, he had the awesome walkout. I really loved his walkout with the awesome God song. Probably the highlight of his career would be the, uh, you know, the, the Showtime kick that he took in the final yes, yeah. WEC, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. so. Yeah, I, I mentioned, yeah, his last, uh, his last fight was he was in the uh, Bellator Lightweight World Grand Prix and was for the Bellator Lightweight title and lost to Usman Nurmagomedov. And yeah, that was it in March 2023. So yeah, a, yeah, a, a notable career, but yeah, not a, um, not a Hall of Fame one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So, so very interesting three months. And yeah, we had uh, John Jones back on top. We had Dana White slapping people. We had, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> UFC 284. We had Islam Makachev doing his thing. So some titles changing hands and some some titles obviously staying put. And yeah, some uh, some table setting here for the rest of the year, which we'll talk about uh, in the next episode. But before I let you go, I want to give you the chance to plug away where people can check you yeah. out. And uh, the floor is yours. So uh, you mentioned on this show before, and you mentioned it earlier, I do the In the Clinch MMA podcast with Ryan Frederick, currently on the Fight Game Media Patreon, although um, at the end of this month, the Patreon is going to be no more, but the show is going to continue. So we, we still have the Fight Game Media Network. It's just going to be free now. So uh, you can find it on all your major podcast platforms on uh, on Spotify or um, you know Apple Podcasts are the main ones, but there's any other ones. If you use Downcast, you can find it in there as well. So um, that'll be free starting in January. And as well, I do the Dynamite Show with Jeff Hawkins, uh, who is uh, you know a board moderator on F4W and um we he's on voices wrestling as well but we do the show on fight game media network and that's also on the youtube channel for free so uh every wednesday about 20 minutes after dynamite ends we're live and uh we talk about the dynamite that just happened so uh you know it's a very popular show we get a lot of people watching and listening and uh yeah a lot of fun and uh yeah and then uh other than that you know i'll be back here for the next three uh in this series uh if you'll have me that's right. So, uh, yes. Looking for looking forward to those. And, uh, you know, wherever else I, I did a wrestling observer radio, uh, or no, I did a Brian and Vinny show earlier this year with Brian. So that, that was a lot of fun. So I'm always available. Brian's got my number. So. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, three months. Yeah. We'll talk more about April, May, and June on the next episode. Yeah. And, uh, we'll talk uh, next week. Paul Fontaine. Thanks so much. Later. <laughs>